It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. I have great news on this edition of the Adult in the Room podcast. I got my California recall ballot and my husband did too. This information is fantastic. It could have far-reaching informational impact rippling into the body politic in California and beyond, especially along the entire West Coast, Mest Coast. Now, in our last visit, we heard from Jen Van Lahr from the news and opinion website Red State on the California recall. We broke down the fallout of the recall Gavin Newsom election and considered what is to be done moving forward. What does this tell us about California voters? And I asked today's guest, outspoken, hilarious, very smart guest, Kurt Schlichter, about that on today's podcast. Stick around for that in just a couple of minutes. But first, I know that we haven't done this in a while, and I just want to take a moment and have one of our favorite California Democratic politicians, Kevin DeLeon, a man who defines the term failing up to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Undervisible, uh, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. For which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Inspirational, no? There is your American educational system at work. Now, one thing before we get to attorney and author Kurt Schlichter. John Durham. Remember that guy? No? Wait, didn't you see his face on a milk carton? You know John Durham. Speak slowly. The American people don't remember that homeboy. But before he left office, Attorney General Bill Barr took his magic wand and he turned Durham into a special counsel from his perch as a Connecticut U.S. attorney. And I know a lot of y'all like to bag on Bill Barr, but this was a smart move. It meant, folks, that Joe Biden nor his AG, as Attorney General Merrick Garland, could not fire him. And by the way, I know you want to bag on Mitch McConnell. I know Trump's all mad at the former Senate Majority Leader, but Mitch McConnell is the reason that that political hack, Merrick Garland, is not an expletive deleted U.S. Supreme Court justice. You may think things are bad on the U.S. Supreme Court, but just a reminder, they could have been worse. Remember the Ronald Reagan 80% rule, folks. Remember it. So Durham came out with another indictment the other day, and as I wrote over at PJ Media, it elevates the Russia, Russia, Russia manufactured fake news fraudulent scandal, quote unquote, to truly one of the most corrosive and worst political scandals in U.S. history. And you thought it was already there. And you were you're right. It was it was almost there. But this move 
this information contained in that 27-page indictment actually elevates the scandal to heights beyond which Watergate could ever dream to go. Headline, latest Durham indictment may make Russiagate the most corrupt scandal in U.S. history by Victoria Taft. That's me, the adult in the room. And as I wrote, that loud clunk you hear is another shoe dropping. Let's just call it a steel-toed boot dropping in the John Durham investigation of the Russia, Russia, Russia conspiracy to get Trump. We already know about Hillary Clinton's attempted takedown of the Donald Trump candidacy and presidency in this Russia fake news hoax. We know a government lawyer lied to a FISA court in order to get a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. We already know that now. We've known that for years, literally years now. We know about Christopher Steele's fake dossier, you know, the P-tape, the spying on the Trump campaign by the FBI, and know how fake that was. And the deployment of Democrat apparatchiks to conscript their leftist media transcribers to plant or amplify the fake news in the service of Ziparty. It is one of the most corrupt scandals in U.S. political history, but special counsel John Durham's latest indictment may move this scandal to the undisputed champ of all time. So Durham's move wasn't so much about the indictment of Hillary lawyer Michael Sussman of Perkins Coie. It's about whom Sussman used and what he used. The sweeping conspiracy, the gobsmacking information, all amassed in order to bring force against Donald Trump. The 27-page indictment alleges that Sussman lied to the FBI and several other government officials, including Congress, to get his, his girl, that's Hillary Clinton, elected. But that ain't nothing. That is small potatoes, folks. Page 10. Go read it. It'll get that whole spidey sense thing into overdrive. So, the indictment goes into exacting detail to explain that Sussman used his cybersecurity contacts to use, quote-unquote, unpublic government data called from favorable government contacts to mine internet data to establish an inference and a narrative that would tie then-presidential candidate Donald Trump to Russia. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, and I want you to go read my piece over at PJ Media, which is linked in the show notes. But you need to know something. They used and abused what is, in all likelihood, national security, classified data, and tried to manipulate it in order to sell the media and the FBI on the Russia hoax. In addition now, as John Solomon wisely points out over at his Just the News website, it was sort of like a three-tiered problem. They used the dossier, they used the FBI affiliations, and now they've used this, where they manip- they, had a, they had a guy, a cybersecurity quote-unquote expert, who really ardently ardently wished to be on the Hillary Clinton team and get a plum job in the U.S. cybersecurity force that exists, thanks to Donald Trump, uh, in the U.S. government. 
he wanted that job. And who is this guy? Well, I happen to know who it is. And I can't say because I don't want to get sued. And there are lots of all the people in in spoken of in the John Durham indictment are all known. Just look at my Twitter timeline. You might spot a few names. But suffice it to say, the indictment illustrates how this one particular guy who worked for Perkins Coie on contract, who worked with other firms, who owned other firms or worked with other firms, and then used university researchers to go look and plunder and manipulate data to make it look as if Donald Trump had anything to do specific information with the Alpha Bank in Russia. And they made that shit up. Made it up. So they used information. Sorry my for my language, folks, but I just cannot even contain myself on some of this stuff. The bottom line is this. They used their high and mighty positions in the U.S. government with respect to government contracts, which were some of the most sensitive areas of U.S. informational privacy. And they went and plundered it. And then they made it up and manipulated it to make Donald Trump look as if he'd had some connections with the Alpha Bank in Russia. Of course, Alpha Bank is now turning around and suing U.S. media for lying about its complicity with the Trump uh, Trump world. It is astonishing, frankly. And go read the story. It's, as I say, linked in the show notes. You need to read it because this is not nothing. Lois Lerner was more transparent than these people on a bad day. And if you've been watching the manipulations of the U.S. apparatchiks as well as the levers of power and authority in the U.S. government to go get people, like in this case of Lois Lerner, the Tea Party people who went after effectively Barack Obama, and you have not seen anything yet. They went beyond and beyond. And then they tried to, in fact, successfully so, trotted it out to the likes of Rachel Maddow and other other media folks who gladly received the information, didn't look at it, didn't properly vet it. And they said, oh, OK, well, you know, that Alpha Bank thing that, you know, Trump has stuff to do with Alpha Bank when they actually discuss in the indictment how they were going to a manipulate the information, b how they could jimmy up the information, how they could send emails from one group of uh, DNS people, Internet IP addresses and make it look as if there was connection between Donald Trump and the Alpha Bank, which is a Russian bank. I mean, (laughs) scary stuff, right? We're in a very, very serious time in the life of our country. These players were all in on the hoax. They were all on the same side. They're not on your side. In fact, they were conspiring, although the word conspiracy does not appear in the Durham uh, indictment, and it should. 
I'm hoping that he comes around and then begins to indict people for conspiracy because this goes to the highest levels of the United States. It includes, and they looped in, as he said in his indictment, Hillary Clinton was all up in it. They were willing to exploit and manipulate secret government data to get Trump, subvert the election. And the Durham investigation is not over. Question is, will anyone be held accountable beyond this guy? He's been Sussman, Michael Sussman, attorney at Perkins Coie, who is the attorney who worked on the Clinton campaign and billed all of his work to the Hillary Clinton campaign when he was putting together this phony Russia stuff. Build his stuff. Why do I know that? Because it says so in the Durham indictment. We know that. He went in and got it. So Durham's not just, he's not a piker. He's he's doing the Al Capone stuff. Did I get you on murder? No, but I got you on tax evasion. And this looks very interesting. So you've got U.S. contractors using our information, changing that information and weaponizing it against us like fact checkers do against us, against Trump to change the results of a U.S. election in 2016. They did not succeed, but they did succeed in 2020 by using uh, legal levers in many cases and the pandemic to change the rules of the game and to create an an atmosphere in which people were forced to do mail-in ballots and sweeping mail-in ballots that were sent all over hither and yon. People had ballots who did not deserve to have ballots. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that? Good news. I got my ballot. I got my California recall ballot. Bad news. I wasn't able to vote it because I was out of town visiting my daughter and my son-in-law to celebrate the birth of our first grandchild. Isn't that amazing? So I wasn't able to vote. It's, uh-oh, I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, Victoria Taft not voting in an election? What? Even my husband, my husband was very upset about not getting the ability to vote in that election. We were both gone, embracing our little monk, our little baby girl. Worse news. That was bad news enough. We couldn't vote the, vote the ballot. That was we. I mean, the good news was we got the ballot. The, the 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 bad news was we couldn't vote it. The worst news was I wasn't able to vote it because I was in California visiting my granddaughter. And the worst news of all, I haven't lived in California for more than a year. How many people voted those phony ballots that came to a multitude of apartment building? Mailboxes, mailboxes around the state of California, plundered and stolen and revoted. Gavin Newsom was probably going to win that recall election. They did everything they could and they changed things around. But let us not forget that there were some fraudulent votes in there. I could have voted that ballot and they never would have known. And maybe I will. Just maybe I will will to get the late vote 
because they're still counting, you know? Okay. Now, my talk with the estimable, hilarious, and smart Kurt Schlichter on the Adult in the Room podcast. Kurt Schlichter is an attorney, talk host, author of the Kelly Turnbull series of novels and columnist at townhall.com. And in his spare time, he helps out uh, looking at certain election issues and uh, makes an incredible reverse seared steak on the Barbie. Kurt Schlichter, thank you very much for coming back on the Adult in the Room podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, 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 always delighted. Your uh, your podcast episodes, or at least the one we've done previously around Thanksgiving last year, have uh, always been well listened to, and we appreciate it, and always appreciate your expertise. And you watched the campaign for the recall. I wanted to talk to you about that and the result. And now, what is the path forward for the people who voted against lockdowns, put downs, and simply wanted a way back to normal? Uh, what are we to divine from the results of the California recall, Kurt? What went wrong? Well, I think it it shows very clearly there are twice as many Democrats as Republicans. There's your lesson. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's it. I, 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 you know, being a lawyer and a military guy, I find it exhausting when people seek out answers to uh, yeah. uh, problems that uh, uh, suit their preconceived notions instead of the hard facts. And the hard fact mm-hmm. is not that uh, uh, people love Gavin Newsom, and it's not that. You know, Larry Elder was too conservative, and he screwed the whole thing up. No, there are twice right. as many Democrats, and the Democrats spend $80 million. But, uh, done. Yeah, there, there's your true. entire answer. Well, Kirk, what about cheating? Well, there, 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 <laughs> look, when you lose by 24 points, it's not cheating. Well, you're just being naive. Well, you know, I was literally <laughs> lawyering for the president in Las Vegas, so per- perhaps I am naive, but uh, I'm also someone who's actually worked around the subject as opposed to some dipshit on the Internet who uh, uh, has really strong opinions that excuse that person from doing the hard work of reorganizing and rebuilding. And that's that's my big right. – uh, yes, I am familiar with cheating. Cheating works at the margins. What does right. what does not work at the margins is or, or anywhere else is going. Oh, oh, I'll never win another election because they're cheating or Dominion or McCracken. No, you freaking mm-hmm. idiot! You just don't want to work hard, and you want to have you you want to be fashionably pessimistic, and excuse yourself from the difficult task of actually convincing about a third of Californians that they're wrong. But that's what you've got to do. So that's that's kind of right. how I feel about that. I, yeah, I, I that find it exhausting. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I've always wanted to talk to people about the path forward because we already know the numbers don't the numbers don't work out well for people who want more accountability in government, and the results don't change the fact that Californians need a reliable source of water, and bad people still need to stay in prison, and that housing is oppressively expensive, homelessness is encouraged, and flouting the law needs to stop. And you'd think that that would serve people and be in their best interest to vote in favor of that, but yet they didn't. You might think didn't. that. But, but let's look at the reality. I, I live in the beach cities, right? Manhattan, Hermosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Redondo Beach area. Very, very expensive. Very, very nice. 
some of us call it Shangri-La. It is, you know, I've lived all over the world. This is where I've chosen to live. Uh, I don't see any problems. I'm a blue state trial lawyer. This is perfect for people like me. If you are, you know, if you're one of the frustrated wine women who, uh, you know, scours Trader Joe's for uh, screw top Chardonnay, uh, goes home <laughs> to your ineffectual husband and gets really concerned because somebody somewhere might not be wearing a mask. This is a wonderful place to live. You, yeah. you, you look, we, we, we see bums around, but the cops usually hustle them away because these are rich people and they don't take that crap. And they're also right. hardcore Democrat voters. So, it, it, you know, what we're really talking about is trying to, like, convince the French aristocracy to, uh, you know, vote to make the life of the guys out sharpening the guillotines better. That's not going to happen. It, it's a feudal <laughs> system. I could drive five miles from here and find people who live in poverty. Uh, but, I could, uh, but, 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 you know, I, I, I can't walk there easily. These, I mean, these are a, this is a, uh, for the blue state anointed that I just happen to be part of by default, because I'm present, I, I'm, I'm not of them. I mean, I've got their credential. Actually, I have better credentials than they do. Uh, I've never met people who are so dumb who thought so much of themselves. Uh, but... <laughs> you know, I, I, I live among them, so I kind of like see, and it, it's wonderful to live down here in this small area. But all these people vote, and all of them have the money, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the union folks get paid off enough, and uh, dumb welfare cheats get paid off enough. So they're all kind of in agreement that, yeah, I could take junkies on the street in another part of town. Yeah, I can live with that. People, who, you know, who have to, yeah, you know. yeah tap dance around the dung and the uh, uh, needles, well, that's kind of their problem. Yeah. Uh, When you were with me on KTTH when I was uh, filling in for Todd Herman, you had come on to talk a little bit about the the recall, and basically your take was, yeah, people are that stupid and I don't think it'll work. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of right. Well, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for it. it look, there, there's some positive aspects to it. Uh, it's never good to lose. But you've got to sift through the ashes and, you know, maybe you find something of use in the wreckage. Uh, I think we now have a, a face of California uh, conservatism, which is Larry Elder. And I think in a purely cynical way, uh, I think it might be useful to have a face that's not a white Anglo-Saxon prostitute. Look, I, I go to California Republican meetings every once in a while to speak. And at 56 years old, uh, with ancestors from Germany and Scotland, I'm not only the youngest, but I'm the most ethnic. <laughs> it, you know, uh, and, yeah. and it's not that the, it's not that these people are giant racists. It's just that the people who get involved in Republican politics tend to be very, very old white people who are very into uh, Republican politics. Uh, yeah. uh, the number of Latin voters uh, going Republican went up. The number of black voters went, went up. Uh, the number of white liberal suburban voters went down. They're becoming stupider. Uh, but uh, as I've said many, many, many times, college-educated white women are the worst people in the universe. Uh, you know, they, they combine sanctimony with stupidity, 
and <laughs> you know they want to fill their spiritual void with nagging other people. They're just they're just yeah. awful people, and yeah. uh, you could tell it by the hangdog look of the uh, uh, of, of the men that they're stuck with. You know I, that's why I kind of think they're against. They're really so excited about gun control. Besides the fact that it neuters males, if their own husbands had guns, they'd probably eat them. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Sad. Let's well, get I mean, another topic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Lightening it up on a, on a morning. Kurt. Uh, so the Durham indictment, I just wanted to get your take on a couple of more things. I know that we – I wanted to talk to you about uh, General Milley, and I also wanted to talk to you about the debacle in <sighs> Afghanistan very quickly, just to sort of touch on those. But the Durham indictment of Hillary Clinton's attorney, Michael Sussman, um, high hopes for that or just another fizzling no. burn? No, the, and all the topics you just mentioned share the same thing, the lack of accountability for the elite. There are no norms. There are no rules. There are no laws. Uh, what exists are uh, purely designed to suppress people like you and me and to uh, force us and compel us to obey. They don't apply to this. This Sussman guy will get indicted. And then, you know, the, the, remember the last guy who got indicted? You know, for lying yeah, to the FBI? The, the, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he got his bar ticket back. He's a lawyer again. He can commit perjury, but but essentially, but you know, he he can be a lawyer again because he's the right guy. Now, of course, Flynn, of course, who allegedly did exactly the same thing, uh, you know, they have to hound him to the ends of the earth, and yeah. it's it, you know, it's all a lie and a scam, and all our institutions need to be destroyed, and uh, what ones are worthy need to be rebuilt from the ground up. Uh, after exiling all the people who have anything to do with them now. Uh, so I have zero hope about this Durham thing. It's a joke. Uh, all the indictments are a joke. The only thing that matters is power. And we need to take back power in 2022 and then the presidency in 2024. And then we need to ruthlessly destroy all liberal dreams. <laughs> now, by that, what do you mean, all liberal dreams? I mean wreck every institution. I mean bankrupt academia. I mean destroy Hollywood, remove its subsidies. I mean uh, not – when, when people say regulate big tech, big tech salivates because the idea of regulatory capture, that is, uh, their own guys would do the regulating. No, no, no. We need real hardcore regulation. Mm -hmm. uh, preferably, my, my way would be the same way we outsource ADA and now abortion uh, in Texas. Uh, that is, give people private causes of action to allow lawyers to sell, uh, to sue big tech companies that uh, persecute their people for punitive damages, injunctions, and of course, attorney's fees. One way, so that if the big tech company wins, it doesn't collect attorney's fees, but if you do, you collect them. Uh, you know, we, we, we need to ruth it. Look, there are no norms. So if you start coming up, when they're private corporate, I don't care. I, I don't care. Don't tell me any, don't try to get me to sign on any conservative principle that at the end of the day makes me less free. Because if that's your conservative principle, you can use it as a suppository. I'm not playing. <laughs> it's not 2004. We're not reading about, you know, no one reads the weekly state. Hell, no one reads National Review. Uh, the time of sissy uh, conservatism and gentlemanly management of decline is over. It's time to uh, sow the fields with salt. Liberalism, uh, delenda est, it must be destroyed. 
you talked about something like that uh, with respect to the General Milley and Afghanistan debacle, wherein in a town hall column you said, don't let your kids sign up for the military. Explain yep. that if you would. Uh, the military was the last institution that we uh, that, that we believed uh, uh, was functioning as an institution should. That is, with the people in charge of it uh, having a generally higher purpose. Now, no one really cares if somebody at the top of an institution takes a little cream off the top. Okay, you know, you, you should, you know. That's that's human nature, but the but the fact is now uh, it is entirely about uh, not protecting the United States, but about maintaining the domestic power of the liberal elite. When you've got someone like Milley, who as a younger soldier was apparently uh, a good soldier, well decorated, as a battalion commander who's pretty good, according to peop- a guy at least I talked to who was in his battalion. But now as a four-star mm-hmm. general, he's a freaking disaster. Uh, he, he starts off with the ridiculous notion that America's greatest strategic threat was climate change. And then when it became, <laughs> needed to be, it become white rage, then it was white rage. So you got weather and mystery racists who don't exist. I, I mean, I don't know about you, Victoria. I do know about you. Like me, you don't know any white supremacists. Right. I literally know zero. Right. And, and, and the idea that somehow there's this cabal of, uh, uh, you know, skinhead aspiring Nazis uh, 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 that, that, that must be somehow uncovered. It, it, it's just a Jeffrey Tubin-esque fantasy uh, used to justify suppressing normal people and all opposition to liberalism. He signed on to that completely. He... He has injected himself into politics. If he didn't mean to, he should be fired because he's stupid. If he did mean to, he <laughs> should be fired because he's evil. Uh, him and his ridiculous World War II uniform. You know why they brought those back, right? Those no. The brown ones, right? They used to have the no. green ones and they had the blue ones. Now they got the brown ones. Yeah, we, 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 we've changed, you know, I, I, I think we should only change uniforms when we win a war. So back to the Gulf War uniform. Uh, he, 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 got, he did that to evoke an army that doesn't get its ass kicked, right? The World War II right. army. Because and we have, uh, other than Desert Storm, uh, we've essentially lost all major conflicts. Uh, uh, try, and, and anybody who tells you, oh, Afghanistan wasn't really a loss, well, I don't know. Looks like a Taliban flag flying pretty high over there, you know, right by the pile of human heads. Now, somebody did a tally of all that stuff, saying it took X number of presidents, X billions of dollars to give the Taliban the control of the Af- over Afghanistan to, you know, from taking it from the Taliban to giving it back to the Taliban. You know, we should have just given them $85 billion worth of military gear and save 20 years and four or 5,000 yeah. lives. Um, uh the idea of uh, the military giving the approval to the Biden administration, especially Winken or Blinken, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, Tony Blinken, and saying that this was a good idea to just pull out, yank out. Uh, we still have people over there waiting on those planes. And uh, do you think the military actually gave the big lay to that idea? Oh, I, I, I think Milley will do whatever uh, uh, he's told. Now, of course, he's not in the chain of command, and he has right. to do what the civilian authority told. Well, at least he did. I, ge- I guess he gets to do. I guess he has to do what the civilian authority approves of. Uh, tells him, not the one he That's doesn't right. approve of. 
But, you, uh, about that you know, it, it, if he had any kind of character, he would have said, well, you know, sir, you, you've given me an order. Uh, I've told you it's a bad order. And here's how seriously I think it's a bad order. I quit. I resign. Right. Now, he would be out. He wouldn't be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs anymore. He wouldn't have that power, which he seems to love almost as much as, you know, macaroni and cheese because he's looking a little hefty. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, that the, the one Trump card the military has is that it can resign. Now, it, you give up your job and you go off and not be a soldier anymore, but you make your point. And you precipitate a political crisis. If Milley quit, there would be a hu- it would be a huge deal, a lot of attention, and the president would have to either change his, change his view or double down on it, which, again, he's president. Uh, he gets to do that. Uh, but that's the power the military had. And the funny thing is, you know, Milley's generation, and, and I'm kind of like a couple years behind him, uh, we talked about that a lot in terms of Vietnam, because no one quit in Vietnam either, even as it got worse. Right. They all assured themselves that, you know, we generals are so smart and brilliant, they can't get along without us. It's really our, di- we're, we're really serving better by sticking around. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're, uh, you know, we, we are irreplaceable men. And, of course, in the military, the, the, the punchline is there's no irreplaceable men. That's why you have a chain of command. Hey, Hey, Major Schlichter, battalion commander just got waxed. You're up. All right. I'm battalion commander. Follow me. There's always somebody else. That's, that's why you have a chain of command. Uh, but they don't think so. They think, you know, we are so essential that, uh, you, know, we, you know, if we quit, someone lesser than us would get in. Now, putting aside the fact that it would take considerable effort to find a worse chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff than Millie, and you couldn't find one in the 70-year history of that miserable office. Um, It's pretty arrogant. But, you know, this is a military leadership that has failed like the leadership of every other institution. It's bought into the woke nonsense. It bought into the uh, uh, establishment priorities. Uh, It is incompetent and unable to perform its core function. In, in that way, it matches every single other institution. Unbridled arrogance, unbridled uh, incompetence. Millie's phone call to the Chinese General Lee about uh, Trump dropping a bomb on China, possibly. Um, and I understand that people have to talk with each other and uh, try to smooth over feathers, uh, ruffled feathers and that sort of thing, uh, because we are the adult in the room. We get that. We understand that phone calls like, oh, I don't know, the phone call by President Trump to the Ukraine authorities to sort some things out are perfectly acceptable. But Millie's phone call went uh, was maybe a bridge too far. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. Do you think that was, uh, let's say, I don't know, treasonous? Well, I, look, I think you're doing it again, Victoria. I think you are applying <laughs> rules. No, you've yeah. got to understand, there are no rules. Now, five, yeah. ten years ago, yeah, yeah, everything you say would be absolutely true. It doesn't matter now. Right. When you, you don't have a rule when you don't have accountability. Now, you can say you have a rule, but you, uh, uh, you selectively apply accountability for it. That's the same as not having a rule at all. So the idea of saying, I can't believe he did this, why would you not believe that? Of course he would. Because that would increase leftist power. You know who leaked this to Woodward, right? It was Millie. Yeah. Millie sat down with Woodward. I, 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 
I don't know cosmically, but I would bet my, I don't know, my beautiful German touring sedan that uh, uh, Millie sat down with uh, uh, Woodward, all turgid and sweaty, excited to explain how he heroically saved the republic from uh, the threat of Donald Trump attacking China for some reason. Mm -hmm. He thought this would get him praise, and it has gotten him praise in some court. Now, one small glimmer of hope, and I'm actually an optimist. Don't get the idea that because I'm accurately assessing (laughs) the the, the, the nature of our situation, I'm a pessimist. I hate pessimism, Uh, but I also hate inaccuracy. We got to figure out, I know how deep we are. But I think we could climb up. The, 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 the fact is, he, he, he thought he would be, pre- and he has been. But there have been a few, a few people, even liberals, going, I don't know. That seems a little, eh, not a lot. You know, not, I mean, you, you find some uh, 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 drooling halfwit like uh, Joy Reid, and you ignore her. But I think some other people are uneasy with, uh, you know, some general freestyling it with the chai comms. <laughs> uh, and, and remember, this dipshit has, has said the chai comms are not America's greatest strategic threat. It's either the weather or Trump voters. Right. That, that's his position. His yes. position is, what is America's greatest strategic threat? Is it China, which is, you know, now has a, a, a Navy that's at least comparable to ours? No. It's that it might be slightly hotter in 100 years. That's, that, or, or no, it's some people don't believe uh, that men can become women through the power of wanting and don't believe yeah. in systemic racism. That's the real threat. This is his position. So... I mean, the, the, you're, you're treating it as if it's a ser- as if this is a serious person worthy of analyzing his actions uh, uh, using reason and facts and evidence, and, and it's not. He's not a serious person. He is a flunky, like every single other head of an institution in the United States. He's mm-hmm. a joke. He's an unaccom. This guy is a. Li- what war did this idiot win? I'm two I and zero. Uh, two of them. Iraq, two. I'm 2-0. Oh. I was in the Gulf War. We won that. I was in Kosovo. We won that. The guy's chairman. I should be chairman of the freaking Joint Chiefs of Staff. I've got a 2-0 and oh record. He's owing God knows how many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't send your kids to die for these, these people. These No, they are unworthy. No, see, you've got to... There are two ways... To uh, uh, un- until we get a president DeSantis, who uh, uh, who is woke and who will hopefully bring guys on board like me to go over the Pentagon, sit down with generals, and go, okay, general, what would you say you do here? Right. Until we get to the uh, pruning phase, there are two ways we exercise power over uh, the Pentagon. The first is cutting its budget. The second is draining its manpower. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Republicans are too enamored of the military to cut its budget. It's funny. The guys who think like me, who are saying, don't join the military, cut its budget, uh, we're the vets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's civilians who are afraid to do that because they think they'll look anti-military. No, I, I try to explain to them, no, you won't. This is, this is what they need, tough love. If your son was a heroin addict, would you go, you know, here's, you know, here's 500 bucks if you promise not to right. you know, spend it on heroin. Right. And then you come home and he's lying in the freaking lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but what we can do, what we don't need the Republicans to do, because it's hard to convince them. I mean, this is, remember, this is a mindset change. And I've gone through a mindset change. I would have sure. been, uh, 20 years ago, you called me a super hawk. I thought invading Iraq was a great idea. Of course, I knew a little about chemical, nuclear, biological warfare. So what, you know, President uh, Bush's lies actually sounded, you know, uh, believable to me based on, you know, some of the things I had done in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh but I have, I, I have changed. I, new facts, new situation, new experience. Now I'm very, very suspicious. It, it, it's hard to change your mind. But we American, the American people are actually ahead. We are ahead. We want it out of Afghanistan because we realized we weren't going to, we are unwilling to do what it t- t- took to win it. And I think we all are unwilling to do it. I mean, unless you want to go in and uh, 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 put every civilian in a camp like they did in the Boer War, and then literally kill everyone else, which is what the Romans did, I think perhaps we, we could have solved uh, Afghanistan. But I just don't think any of us wanted to do that. Uh, and I'm not saying we should. I, I, I don't want to do that either. Uh, if we're not willing to win, then our choices are negotiate or lose. Uh, Bush tried to negotiate, Trump tried to negotiate, Biden decided to lose. Uh, what we can do as the American people is say, no, I won't participate. It's a voluntary military. There's not going to be a draft, or if there is, the draft is going to be so maliciously unfair that basically leaves all the Cadens and Ashleys of uh, Santa Monica and Manhattan out, <laughs> right? You know, if you're in a gender studies degrees, you don't have to go, but, you know, if you work on cars, yeah, pick up a rifle and go fight for us, and that's going to be unsustainable. Uh, but what we can do is just say no. And the generals need bodies. The military needs a constant influx of young soldiers to do stuff. Because most soldiers stay in for one tour and then they go on. Uh, a, a professional military needs to feed through uh, uh, many hundreds of thousands of people every year. Mm-hmm. And the kind of people, uh, Millie, who is a fool... Uh, attacked are the very people who supply the military with bodies. You know, it's it, it look it's it's our kids, not the kids of the uh, not the kids who went to the Montessori school in Chicago. And um, who's going to make up that deficit? And I, I see a lot of it. Remember, the military is largely now a legacy thing. You know, I'm third generation army. Or mm-hmm. third generation military, I my rest was Navy, but you know I, I would see most of the guys. I'd ask these young troops, so you know, Specialist Rodriguez, why'd you decide to join? Oh, well, you know, my grandfather, my grandfather was in uh, World War II, and then my dad was in uh, Vietnam. So you know, I just you know, I, I grew up listening to their story. I just wanted to be part of that. I was oh okay, and that that was that was like the thing, and mm-hmm. especially in traditional. Uh, among traditional Americans, you know, uh, uh, Americans of Latin descent, you know, wonderful family-oriented, super patriotic, uh, and, and very, uh, very cisgender. And, you know, uh, <laughs> rural, rural Americans the same way, very patriotic, very family-oriented, very traditional masculine values. What do you do? Well, you know, I gotta go, I, I'm going to go be a Marine for three years. Just like Dad did, uh, you know. My uncle Bob uh, was in Korea. I, you know, I, I want to be like him. And when Uncle Bob goes, "Son, I want you to hold off now. I don't want you to join." That kid might just listen. Now, not all of them will, and I support anybody who joins up. 
100%. If you, if you say, Kurt, screw you, I've heard what you think, I'm going to join anyway, I will salute them and go, damn, I'm proud of you, not only for serving, but for doing what you think is right. Uh, but right now, my, my advice is not to join. That's heartbreaking to me. I love the military, or loved it. Uh, military never loves you. You love the military. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 and, and I, I, I talked to my buddies other colonels, talked to a couple of our colonels yesterday, and this is hard for us. This isn't easy. We're not excited about this. Yeah. You know, to say, hey, don't join the military is, I mean, I spent 30 years, hell, more than that afterwards, after I retired, telling people, you know, this is a great opportunity. This is something you ought to do. You, you know, you, it won't always be easy, and you won't always have fun, uh, but you're likely not to regret it, and I yeah. can't say that anymore. That's a sad state of affairs, Kurt Schlichter, but I get it. And it's all Uh, on Millie and his crew. Well, I guess on that note, you still are positive, however. You're an optimist, and I am too, because we'll get through this, and and there's there's another way. It's just going to have to be dismantled, and we'll have to look at it in our rearview mirrors before we can build back better, as Joe Biden likes to steal from the the Davos crowd. I... I just uh, signed a book deal with Regnery, The Fall Good. and Rise of America. Good note for the, you. Note the, note the fall yes. and rise. I love that. Uh, I am, look, I am positive, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are a lot of ways this could go south. You know, everything from subjugation to China, economic collapse and becoming a, a, a rump power uh, yep. to uh, a civil war among Americans. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of ways this can go bad, but I think our country's been blessed. I think we've been lucky, and as Napoleon said, I'd rather my generals be lucky than good. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think it was Winston Churchill says, uh, the Lord looks out for drunks in America. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, hey, I'll take it. You're right, um, anything. I, I think we get through it, but uh, let's not sugarcoat it. It's going to be tough, and uh, it could go off the rails. Ah, Kurt Schlichter, thank you so much for coming back on the Adult in the Room podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review plus of course subscribe to the podcast it makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs and it makes us easier to find please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff yeah we're still there using the names victoria taft or the adult in the room podcast on MeWe, parlor minds facebook twitter and instagram thanks to one a cast for imaging editing and production The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, Mischief Managed.